1: welcome to truest blood the official true blood podcast
2: i'm Kristen bauer and i'm deborah ann wool and you've been invited in i wanted to
1: Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by episode.
2: Episode 206 Yay. is titled Hard-Hearted Hannah. It was written by Brian Buckner and directed yet again by Michael Lehman. So these episodes are starting to get jam-packed with content, and it is getting harder yes. and harder
1: to pull out <laughs> the moments to highlight. But the theme this week seems to revolve around deception the lies we tell others, the lies we tell ourselves, and that the truth really can hurt.
2: We also speak with Ashley Jones about her arc as Daphne Landry on season two of the show, which she did while simultaneously working on a soap opera, which is some of the hardest acting work out there. So this real-life Southerner never seems to stop working there isn't a hit network show that she hasn't (laughs) been on like all rise the mentalist house bones 902 when i the list just goes on
1: when does she rest that is amazing she
2: didn't yeah
1: but first this week on true blood
2: Sookie and Hugo, Isabel's human companion, infiltrate the Fellowship of the Sun, where Sookie discovers that they are indeed holding Godric captive. But hold those horses, turns out the Newlands have been tipped off, and she and Hugo are dragged into the basement by the Soldiers of the Sun. Meanwhile, the shower isn't working at Sookie and Tara's house, and Marianne is
1: not happy about it.
2: I don't know what to tell you. I wish I had a fancier crib for you to squat in, but I don't.
1: While Tara and Eggs drive across county lines for the hot water fix, Eggs has a strange case of deja vu. He treks them through the woods to discover a campsite with a creepy vibe that feels eerily familiar to him. When they return home, Marianne is mid-orgy. She transfixes the couple who join in under her spell.
2: Meanwhile, Daphne is saying all the things Sam wants to hear. You're just too damn special for him not to. Where the fuck did you come from? Things are hot, heavy, and downright animalistic as the pair enjoys each other's company until Daphne lures Sam towards some ominous drumming in the woods, only to finally reveal she's been working for Marianne all along. The orgy revelers hold Sam down as Carl approaches him with a big-ass knife. Meanwhile, Andy visits Lafayette with some questions about his disappearance. You weren't on any damn
0: gay cruise. Because if you were, you would have come back with more pizzazz, not less.
1: The questioning triggers Lafayette's trauma, but luckily, Terry is there to comfort him. Until Pam shows up with an offer Lafayette cannot refuse. In Dallas, Eric has summoned Lorena to distract Bill from Sookie, and Lorena reminisces about the happier times with Bill, when all they did was sing, make love, and murder eager young socialites.
2: Meanwhile... Hoyt comes clean to his mother about the vampire he's been courting and then drives all the way to Dallas just to see her. I'm so happy I could cry, but I don't want it because it's really gross when I do. Finally, there's something for Jessica to do while in Dallas. At church camp, Jason is feeling all kinds of guilty about his come-to-Jesus moment with Sarah, but it turns out Steve is none the wiser. Jason briefly flirts with the idea of celibacy before Sarah's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day thrusts her into his ever-loving arms right there on the church balcony. (laughs) So, Deb... In this fabulous outline that you always <laughs> prepare for us, that we all love so much, you have here Bill and Lorena flashback mm-hmm. at the top. Yes. And those flashbacks are so kooky amazing. Oh, they're really fun. I mean, they're just off the charts. And, and
1: what a great opportunity for those actors, too, you know, I think to get to yeah. play period pieces, to do something a little outside yes. of the character. And what we get. Yes is Steve singing and playing the piano right off the bat, which is amazing.
2: Yeah. And he is actually playing yep. and actually singing. He is. he is an incredible singer. Yeah. And you'll know he pianist. did the
1: sound of music live while he was on true blood. It was towards the end of the show. Yeah. And he did that one Crazy. during one of our hiatus. He also a stage reading of Chicago for a special event at yep. the Hollywood Bowl. So he's, you know, he's a, a professional singer and musician.
2: Yeah. So that's him at the piano. And, You know, we we really get a look into who he was. Well, and this really vicious, sexual, impulsive
1: side of him that Lorena brings out. Yeah, that just seems so antithetical to who Bill is now. (laughs) Yeah, but it's funny watching it. I can see like why he's so rigid with Jessica why he's like don't yeah. you know he is trying to hold her back as much as he can yeah. from that world cuz he knows that that's an easy transition for a vampire and yeah. also you know i don't know if suki is aware
2: that that's part of his past you know i know we as the audience sure aren't so we assume that she is not yeah. i mean it's really that was bold and shocking and we learned so much more over this arc with lorena mm. And I can't remember exactly which line is in which episode, but we find out that he really was strayed from who he had been as a yes. human. And then he evolves back to, yes. you know, a combination, but he he, he craves his humanity again. Well, Those, and so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, Mariana in these flashbacks. Well, her accent is like sexy oh, and right on. And yes.
1: so, int- I mean, they. Yes. I feel like they are glamoring that couple without glamoring, like- Mariana yes. and Steve Meyer need no superpowers to entice <laughs> anyone totally. into their bed, but I love you know totally. at the end of it, it's so wonderful. But again, this sort of antithesis of who Bill is, or at least the Bill yeah. we know now. Her lover has you know has been murdered in front of her. She's bleeding out on the bed, and she looks up at yeah. them and she asks, "Why are you doing this?" Well, because we can i <laughs> <laughs> God. even <laughs> listening to that it sounds worse listening to it than watching it. yeah it's so I know, and then he
2: like pulls her aside oh. as she's dying and then they're covered in blood and just have sex well, right there next to them on the and bed and there's
1: a key moment there where he steals her necklace and you'll notice yes. that Lorena is wearing it in the present and continues to wear yes. it throughout this season which is such an incredible yes. you know connection through it really shows how much Bill means to her
2: Yes, and they never comment no, on it, I don't believe. Not really. And it is really that's another beautiful touch. Yeah. Incredible. I know, I know it's in the script
1: that she's wearing the necklace. Um it is. Yes. Okay. But whether that came before or after, you know, scripts get evolved and change all the time. So you're not always mm-hmm. sure when it comes in, but they definitely had a plan. To highlight mm. that this this vicious moment that they shared together that was also, for them, very romantic, <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> really has <laughs> stuck with her all this time. Yep. And Jessica gets some uh, romance.
1: <laughs> well, it all actually starts with Hoyt standing up to Maxine, mm-hmm. which is a really fantastic scene. Right. I really yeah. love it. It's, we're beginning to see a lot more of Hoyt and his story coming to the forefront. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Now that, like, Renee is dead... Jason is gone, Mm -hmm. you know, Hoyt's a Mm -hmm. bit on his own and he's having to kind of grow up a bit maybe.
2: He is. And he is inspired to rise to be, you know, more manly. (laughs) Or at least go after what he wants. Oh, I
1: suppose. maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think he's getting some confidence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I love it because, you know, so this is this is Maxine's uh, she's she's killed his phone. So she's controlling him. She's worried about appearances, all these things. And there's this great line that she gives about her reason for doing that. Girls who call boys at all hours of the night like that are only looking for one thing, money.
2: We don't have any money. That's not true. We're very comfortable.
1: Best. She's so great. She's so rest. She is so What's well, that perfect setup? Because you expect her to say sex or something like that. but Totally. But she's very concerned in front of her friend who's at the table, you know. Yeah. And, and Hoyt whore. doesn't back down. No, he doesn't. He's really great. And, and I like even when he's angry at Maxine, he's still polite to her friend. That feels very Hoyt to me. I know.
2: I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We just
1: love Hoyt. We really do. And we'll be speaking with Jim Perrick, So he's going to give us all the information on his take on on uh, Hoyt Fortenberry. And he and I get to uh, yes. catch up yes. a bit later this season. Yes. But one thing I found interesting is in his last speech, he, he speaks about like the, his girlfriend which I looked in the script and it's it's actually written Jessica. It's not written girlfriend. And that's an interesting switch. And it does mean, you know, it is a little different, that feeling. And I, I wondered, you know, sometimes lines get changed from script to script. So maybe I have an old version sometimes on set, though, they just come out organically a little different. And I think sometimes that can make really nice, subtle shifts for characters. And that Jim Perrick as Hoyt Fortenberry, in some ways, knows yeah. Hoyt and what he's thinking and feeling better than anyone else in the world and if yep. it comes out girlfriend instead of Jessica that's coming from someplace true and i'm I'm so glad to see that you know when it matters writers and directors and editors will will keep the uh the changed version in
2: yeah because it's only one word but it's a big deal yeah. like if you think about in your own life and it's very it's very virginal yeah you know <laughs> it's innocent right? the yeah. two of you we you know right it's like we it's pinned innocent, each when, other you know <laughs> Yeah. It's like you penny Do you want to be my girlfriend? Yes. You know, it's just so funny. It, it's a huge it word, is. probably as an adult too, when you're dating, I don't know, it's been so long, but <laughs> you know, when someone starts saying, you know, you're out somewhere and they go, this is my girlfriend, yeah. Kristen, you're like, Ooh, Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is We've a whole labeled deal. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, she labels it for his mother, That's sweet. which is very sweet. And then yes, he drives to Dallas and it's very cute. And I like that Jessica is uh, <laughs> impulsively and angrily pouring true blood down the drain despite Bill.
2: Yes, I thought that was too. And then I was like, well, I guess you've got the takeout menu there. Yeah. But I also thought, what's she going to drink? And then, you know, I commented to you, wait, how did you do the door thing? Because that is hard as an actor <laughs> yes. to have to spill things, have to fuddle with a door and you have to do it many takes yes. over. And I always have a radar for that when I'm watching. And you did such a good job of <laughs> the impulsiveness of, oh, my God, I got to get this door right, open. Right. You know, you did such a good well, job. I think part of it was
1: on the day he's got more lines than uh-huh. I had space to cross or door to open, you know, and he's apologizing right. and stuff. So he can't really I can't really get the door open till he's to that point. So oh, we were like, how are we going right. to add more time? And we, the idea that maybe I couldn't get the door open was was posed. But I remember saying, like, you can only fake that so far. You know, at a certain yeah. point, I had to be able to just see the <laughs> lock and open it. But we decided to put the the official door stop lock up top and that I would be too excited. So that I helps. said I can give you one false open and then I have to open it. But then we go on, we have this really wonderful, you know, moment with Andy and Terry and Lafayette, um yes. where Lafayette is is triggered by this. And then we even have Alex yeah. jumping in to kind of, you know, really nail that home. And then Terry yeah. is kind of a hero, this, this episode,
2: yeah. in that moment. What the hell, Andy? Back when we were kids and we used to play cops and robbers in Mimo and Papo's backyard, you always used to make your arrest with dignity. Yeah. I mean, again, a fantastic line. I love line. the character. Meemaw right? and Isn't Papo's. Right? <laughs> Right, and again, like the crazy yeah. lines that people said, and but so grounded. Yeah, really I mean, Mima grounded. and Papo, I mean, so grounded. And really, I just love the character yeah. of Terry Belfloor coming out this season. Yes.
1: And that he gets down there, you know, as one of the few people... Who can really understand or at least recognize what's happening? He to recognizes in that it moment. right away. And he has yeah. some strategy that he can offer. And so much of the time, people are acting like they have to take care of Terry or look out for him. And mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful color on him to see him as the caretaker.
2: Yeah, it really
1: was. Yeah. And then you walk in and make things worse again for Lafayette. <laughs>
2: You know, hey. I have to say mm-hmm. that is a rich look, Kristen, in this one. <laughs>
1: Boy, do I love it.
2: Audrey Fisher had the sunglasses on the head idea. Yeah, I love that. And we thought that was pretty funny. We got a kick out of that. She can't go in the sun, of course. Of course not. It's just right? a the one person who does not need sunglasses. <laughs> it's an accessory. Yeah, it's an accessory. Well, I
1: wanted to ask because I had this thought. I was like, so. Is Pam the kind of person who, like, no matter whether she's lounging at Fantasia all day or whether she's going out, still gets dressed to the nines? Or is this like you're on your way to someplace cooler and just stopped by to terrify someone at Merlot's?
2: In the book, Pam had two looks. Okay. She had her, like, knit sort of matching sets for day, and then she had her Fantasia look. Yeah. And that ended up evolving over the years because we started with when we staked Long Shadow, I was in J Crew, like a pink sweater and khakis. Sure. Right, right. right.
1: Which I love. Sure. I'm sorry. I mean, my favorite right? might be the uh, Stepford wife, Pam.
2: <laughs> yes. And that is exactly it. And then it became Juicy Sweats uh-huh. a uh-huh. lot. So that was her day look. So she's probably, you know, she's out in the world. Yeah. So she's not going to go out in her Juicy Sweats. She's got
1: someplace cool to be. And she just had to be like, yeah. oh, I'll just drop by and force so Lafayette to drop to and me torture for the me city. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i just love i mean it seems like pam just owns every room she enters even if that room is a walk-in freezer it's it belongs to Pam. i know she's looking at it i like this
2: room mm. hmm i could
1: use this in a
2: pinch yeah that was a fun scene yeah
1: i wonder if that's that's not a uh foreshadow is it do you ever use the walk-in freezer at merlot's for a daytime
2: hideout. I don't, but I do have a fabulous bunch of dialogue in there again, torturing Lafayette. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. I can't remember. Maybe I smile too much. <laughs> Maybe I wear too much pink. Right. right. That that's, happens.
1: That's right.
2: And that's another great one. Another and great she's one. in another, you know, outfit where she's out doing Eric's business, mm-hmm. but she's not going to go out in her juicy sweat. not.
1: She wouldn't be caught, no. caught dead in her juicy sweats. She would. <laughs> oh, it was bound it was to happen. Bound. We, I'm surprised we haven't done it yet. <laughs> and I think at the end here, you know, we come up on this insane orgy scene. I mean, oh, yeah. the orgy stuff's about to really it take up and off, it and off here. And you'll hear yeah. we speak with a number of people who were part of those scenes. So you'll hear a lot of stuff about those <laughs> scenes from our different guests that we have on this season.
2: Yes. I mean, Raelle, when we interviewed her, right, yes. she has an interesting family background where her. She says her mom was in a yep. cult. She saw a lot of naked people running mm-hmm. around when it was full moon. Worshipping. Yes. Worshipping the moon. And, uh, you know, it's in the books, mm-hmm. you know, probably this orgy stuff. But, you know, the True Blood style, yeah. they they went for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you watch it and you're like, this is crazy. And for sure, Mm -hmm. the show bumps it up a little bit. But to remember that, you know, Rael experienced some form of this kind of, (laughs) you know, midnight freedom freedom with her family. (laughs) And, And so, you know, it's one of those like life can be stranger than fiction kind of moments. Exactly. Exactly. And now for a quick bite. Movie magic.
2: The magic hour. The magic hour in filmmaking, also sometimes referred to as the golden hour, is that brief hour just before the sun dips below the horizon in the evening, or conversely, the hour just after the sun has risen in the morning. The daylight at that angle in the sky is filtered through more of the Earth's atmosphere, creating a more diffused and
1: warmer light than the direct sunlight during midday. It generally makes everything look, well, magical, making it a much coveted natural effect in cinematography.
2: But it is no small feat to capture this elusive light. You have only one hour to work with. The light is constantly incrementally shifting. Cloud cover, any number of other environmental factors can kill the effect. But this episode, we see a brilliant example of capturing the magic hour when Steve Newland throws open the doors to the light of day church. So to get this shot,
1: the scene would be rehearsed extensively to minimize mistakes or retakes. Coverage facing the window is prioritized since the turnaround can be faked with artificial light if you have to. And everything would be set and ready to go so action can be called the minute the light is right. So there's this Southern saying that I found that says, better to Mm -hmm. be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie which is pretty fantastic. Mm, But I wonder if our our characters this episode would agree or not. The truth is Mm -hmm. pretty bitter this episode. There's a (laughs) lot of lying going on, and uh, everyone kind of gets outed by the end of this. And, you know, I think the lies have quite a different flavor
2: (laughs) as we look at each one. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. I mean, really, everyone Everyone. is lying. Eric is lying. Lorraine is lying. All the truth ends Mm -hmm. up coming out. Mm -hmm. Jason's lying. Both new Sookie. ones are lying. lied lying. lying. Hugo's lying. Oh, Daphne.
1: Oh, boy. Quite oh, a lot of lying going on there. But that's kind of what I think is interesting, right? Because we would say, like, yeah. so lying, you know, on a basic level, you could say objectively is a bad thing, right? But I, right. W- I would say right. the lying that Daphne is doing is a little bit different than the lying that Sookie is doing. And so how, you know, as we look at it from totally. different angles— I love that the writers and and Brian Buckner are showing us that this thing we think is objective is actually way more complex.
2: Completely. Yeah. Lying is not 100% bad (laughs) and vice versa.
1: There's also an interesting little tidbit to this. So this episode was originally titled Friend is a Four-Letter Word for the Song by Cake, which is interesting. Hmm. So at some point in there, it got changed maybe because of... Steve Moyer's performance at Hard-Hearted Hannah. But it's interesting, that song, the lyric suggests that end part of the word is all that they hear, which is sort of a fascinating right. idea that when you say friend, all they hear is end. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And I, I pulled out a, a couple you know, a few examples here of, I think, very different angles on this idea of deception. So first up, we yeah. have Sarah and Jason who have this sort of hidden attraction. Mm-hmm. It's the day after the <laughs> holy hand job. I love it when you say that, by the way. Oh, I I do too. I mean, that is all that scene is for me. Yeah. (laughs) And Jason's, I mean, Jason is racked with
2: guilt. He's racked Um, with guilt. He's confused. He's
1: really, he's really confused. And she's actually handling it quite a bit better. Yeah. So much that Jason is sure that he's going to get punished. Right. And then he has this wonderful conversation with Luke.
0: Right, because adultery is bad. One of the worst. Right up there with. Incest and bestiality.
2: But all of them put together ain't half as bad as if you do it to a vampire.
0: Or to a dude. Or a vampire dude. That's like cream de la cream sin. Ain't no repentance for that. Uh
2: huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Clear. Laid oh, out. Boy. This is why I'm jealous of people who find religion to work really well oh, for them my goodness. in its entirety. Because you just have it laid out.
1: It just, it's yeah, you just it's real easy. This is yeah. the rules. There's a hierarchy yeah. of sin. This feels like an Alan Ball tweak line to me. I mean, Bucky gets full credit, but yeah. this also feels like one where Alan is like championing it or potentially tweaking it. Well, the
2: bestiality is just to throw that in there and to have Ryan's reaction is so funny. He's like, it oh says gosh, bestiality. Oh my
1: God. Which is my so my favorite is that from this conversation, Jason decides to be
2: celibate. For about six, 6. hours. point <laughs> two second, seconds, yeah. And I love how he says, you know, celibate. And then Luke says, doesn't that feel good or whatever? And he goes, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's sort of Jason's story. He's sort of hiding this thing. He doesn't really tell, you know, Luke what happens. He's right. hiding all of these feelings and this, yeah. you know, sinful thing that he did. Yeah. Meanwhile, Steve... Is being so dismissive and kind of yeah. cruel to Sarah all episodes, and she's holding on to this secret of infidelity. Yeah, and it's funny. Steve calls Sookie the c word as he's pulling her down the stairs, and Anna Camp has the best reaction. <laughs> it's like Sarah is so much more shocked by him using the c word than she even is by the fact that he's kidnapping people yeah. right in
2: front of her. And she um, tells that to Jason later. Yeah, he uses later she the C-word. does the
1: c word when she's seducing know? him yes well then you know that that's what makes him the man you know not the man she thought he was right not the kidnapping not right, the potential murder
2: yeah because she knew no. about that plot
1: right 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 but the C she was word, reluctantly that's new. going along with that yeah that's, that's new, information. new information for her okay so, yeah so there's this question you know she allows herself to you know succumb to mm-hmm. jason's <laughs> the temptation of Jason's stackhouse You know, so now the question becomes, you know, do they come clean? Does Steve have to know? Does he deserve to know? Have they done anything wrong? I mean, there's a lot of secrecy. I mean, adultery at its heart is this sort of lying and keeping things from someone you made a promise to. And
2: yeah, but again, you
1: know, if he's treating them a certain way, that complicates
2: things yeah it complicates things it was enough it, I love that scene the way it was shot too where she's seducing mm-hmm. him up there in the church balcony right they switch positions so she's on yes. the right and then she's on the left and then she's on the right so she's literally twisting him around over yeah. and over into no this isn't wrong and of course it doesn't take a lot yeah. right but yeah. but in her mind he's been mind, celibate for six hours he's, yeah been celibate got, you know, for six that's a long time <laughs> it's all built up yeah <laughs> <laughs> so she and in there she says something like he, he said the c word so I, he's not the man I was supposed to be with God I, I knew God yeah. wanted me to be behind a wonderful yeah. powerful man it's not him I was wrong but it's you so yeah. you, you get it right she's really hot and horny for for Jason and just making a whole new story to make it yes. not cheating yes. really basically.
1: And so she's, I think that is the perfect example of her lying to herself. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to feel bad about this thing that she wants and yeah. is going to do. So she rewrites her narrative. Yeah. Which is, you know, a lie to make herself feel better about it. And and it was interesting. I, I remember speaking with Scott Winant because he was working on the affair. Yeah. And he was like, you know, the interesting thing is we... We forgive murder on television so quickly. We do. It's harder for us to forgive adultery. And that's so interesting because clearly there's a hierarchy between those two things. But he said what's interesting is that if you're in a room of 20 people, probably no one has murdered anyone. Right. But per statistics, 50% have done some form of infidelity. So there's a more personal element to it that makes us judge it in others – as worse to make ourselves maybe feel better about whatever we've done. Or Or, guilt a Yeah. Yeah. So we we rewrite our own stories, even just in watching it and how we feel about this act. So, you know, it's interesting watching this, what feelings come up for people when they see
2: Jason and Sarah, you know, take this step. Right, right. Like if Bill cheated on Sookie, I'd be much madder. But because Mm -hmm. I don't like Steve Newland- And I feel for (laughs) Ryan. I'm like, ah, go for it. Right.
1: But, you know, hey, it's still the same. It's still the same thing. You know, it's it's the same thing. So it's the same transgression. So it's a it's a it's just fascinating. It is. So then, you know, the next example we see now is eggs. Now, this is a very different situation. He's been lied to. And it's super messed up because he doesn't even know what the lie is. Yeah. The lie is that he's happy. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, this is one of these ones where he deserves to know the truth, but it is going to
2: shatter him right. when he finds out. Yeah, that's one where you, boy, oof, you hope he doesn't find yeah. out. But of course, it's true. You blood. hope, but, or do you? Because, or do you? Because he, he now half knows.
1: He half knows. And gosh, I mean, to not know a part of your life, a part of who mm-hmm. you are, that's a real theft of someone, you know, and, mm-hmm. and in a way, even if the truth is horrible, oh, but then, you know, we'll see at the end of the season. I mean, yeah, it we're going to
2: find out we're going to well find for out for him. So you would almost always choose knowing. But since we know what he's going to know, we're like, <sighs> abort, abort, don't know. Oh, turn back. But anyways, I think in a way, Tara,
1: I think, puts it really succinctly as they're walking through the woods.
2: I don't know, ain't a place eggs is it's
1: a
0: state of mind, a state of mind I don't like being in.
2: Yeah. Right? I, that's, it's it's that's, scary. That's well written. It's scary to not know.
1: It's and, terrifying. And to feel like something's being kept from you that's important and vital. And,
2: and lack of control. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one.
1: A slightly less tough one, a slightly more... Potentially black and white <laughs> example here, <laughs> but awful is. Uh, but awful is Sam and Daphne. Yeah, it, I have this feeling that uh, ignorance really was bliss for Sam, and he would That's happily it. have let Daphne lie to him a little longer.
2: <laughs> oh, totally! Gosh, and we just, oh, as an boy. audience, were torn, right? Because you're like, oh, oh, god, He's, what does he say? Is like, you're the most incredible person I've ever yeah. met.
1: I know. I mean, it's just. You know, she she we're tipped off a little bit when she turns into that pig and then Andy mm-hmm. recognizes her. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, <laughs> Ashley Jones, who we're going to talk to in a minute, does the most amazing job of just like throwing it off. Like, of course, that's what you call a pig. Like, I don't suspect yeah. her for a minute. And then she goes and down. And of course, him, she right? manages. Yes. She managed <laughs> to find the perfect way to distract him from looking into that. Too yeah. It's like, Whatever. What's fascinating about it is her, the first scene, that beautiful scene with the two of them on the pool table, where you watch them fall in love and you love her and him as much as they're starting to love each other. She has a speech about authenticity.
2: It's like, why take the risk? Because not taking risk is riskier. That's just wordplay. No. No, it's not.
0: The way I look at it, if you're going to take the danger out of getting to know someone, might as well not bother with them at all.
1: You've got to share this life
0: with people. That's what we were put on this big old round ball to do. People, they need to know you. <laughs> you're just too damn special for them not to.
2: Where the fuck did you come from? My heart's breaking for Sam. I know. When I love you, she
1: has this idea that like, you know, what what we're both feeling right now only feels that way because everything's on the table. Right. And looking back at that speech and she looks so genuine. I know. And yet we know now that not nearly everything was on the table at that right. moment.
2: And, but don't you wonder in hindsight, you're like, but yeah. she had to be falling for him. She just had, you know, a God that she had right. to serve. Right. So that's the justification and the purpose. But yeah. she had to fall for Sam at least a little bit. Well, it's that, and, you know, Ashley, I think, says it when we speak with
1: her later that it can be both. Right. She she can think that luring him into Marianne's world is actually good for him because right. she worships Marianne and right. it's a cult. And right. but I think for Sam, it's pretty clearly <laughs> it's <laughs> Not a lot as much less upside. complex yeah, for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finally, we have the the biggest liars of the liars this episode. We yeah. have Suki. As well as the Newlands. Yeah. They are all lying to each other on multiple levels. Yeah, uh, It's it's really fascinating. I mean, I think actually my favorite part of it is the kind of false cheeriness of it all. Oh, yeah.
0: I cannot believe I'm actually meeting you in person. You are cute as a button. Well, oh, thank you, Holly. And you're like a cool breeze on
1: a hot summer day. Quit. <laughs> oh, my God. I just love her. <laughs> Meanwhile, Suki knows that she's a vampire hating bitch and sarah newland knows that she's an infiltrating
2: you know lying sneak you right. know like they just, well and at amazing. this point i did have another one of those moments where i was like does sookie not watch the show because <laughs> she they she knows that they are the ones who tried to kidnap her right so yeah. apparently she's trusting that they don't have a photo well remember the limo driver
1: said they don't know who The vampire companion is. They just said, capture the one that's with the vampires. He didn't even know she was going to be a woman. Right. So they have sort of, you know, the writers do their due diligence. That's true. In that they set it up that they have some idea. But what they don't know is that there is obviously a mole, which we'll find out more about upcoming. Upcoming, speaking of liars. Yes. <laughs> speaking of liars, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's really interesting. and It's interesting seeing Suki, you know, have to kind of play the vampire hater. And, and she has an interesting comment about that as well.
0: Hugo, I don't just hear the things that hateful people say. I hear the things that are so hateful that hateful people don't even want to say them out loud. Don't you worry about me. I've got plenty of material to work with. I'll be fine.
2: Good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I had another thought that I can't like yeah, I have to save it for you know, Suki's mind reading. Right? Yeah. Right? Because you're like, use it more, use it now.
1: Do
0: you not want to? But she spent
1: so much of her life. Trying to not use it, right? Exactly. Like it's an it's an impediment. So her, she's just every second fighting not to use it. Yeah. You know, she gets slapped with people's worst truth every day of her life. So yes. she's just trying to
2: only pull tune back. in but, when it's necessary. Yeah. For brief moments And it's
1: interesting. Yeah. You know, she as they're at the fellowship of the sun. She catches, you know, she catches the information that she wants, which yes. is, you know, Steve Newland's thinking it at just the right time in his office. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a stare out the window and she just glances in there and gets exactly the information she needs. Yeah. But then later, and I love that what she hears is him saying, I wonder if she's listening to me right now, you know, like that, you right. know, they know she's a telepath, they know it's her, right. and they are on to them.
2: Yeah, they know right, exactly. And that is when as the viewer we're like, wait, how? Wait, what? And how do you get out of that? Right? Like, how do you I'm get out of that? Going, they call- well, just turn and run. But they can't. And so
1: they keep playing this game. Yeah. They called in the big guy. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them know the jig is up. Yeah. But they're just continuing to play this dance, hoping one of them can outmanipulate the other to win. Right. Uh so fun.
2: Yeah. That's a really, really fun sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So much good stuff coming up. Lots of deception on every level comes more to the fore.
1: So today we have Ashley Jones with us to talk about her role as Daphne Landry on the show. And and this was such an interesting interview because neither of us worked with her. So we didn't get to see her work on the stages, but yet we got close to her. As we've said with so many of these interviews, we knew everyone. And I just remember, yeah. you know, she's got that beautiful Southern charm in her voice. She does.
2: She does. <laughs> yeah. She still does. She still
1: does. And such a strong intellect and I just mm-hmm. remember being really excited to meet her, and yep. now watching her, you can see all of that just shine through in this performance, which is quite difficult. Yeah. So without further ado, Ashley Jones.
0: Ashley! Oh my <laughs> yes. You guys! This is so, so much good. fun for me to see your faces.
2: Yes, Yes,
1: likewise. Oh, it's so well we've been staring at your face nonstop for the last couple of weeks. So we're we're excited to actually get to talk to you and find out how you did all of this Uh, amazing work. This is
0: very fun for me. Well, I have to say, I have been listening to some of the podcasts you guys have done just in preparation for this. And it kind of brought me to tears a little bit last night because, you know, I was nostalgic and I was listening to some stuff and it just brought back so many memories. Yeah, oh, that's
1: it. That's what we hope. I mean, that's what's been fun for us, I think, in having everyone on to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has just been saying how how much they missed it, what a positive
0: time it was in their life. For me, it was yeah. like a landmark in my life. Wow. It was, it really was. It was this really fun thing that I got to do and be a part of. And honestly, all of those moments I look back and very few times in my life, very few times, would I go back and say. I'd be willing to do it all over again because it oh was so, gosh. It was really, yeah, it was really fun. You know, for listeners, we had trailers set up and we would be doing sometimes one or two shows at the same time and they would overla- mm-hmm. overlap. Yeah. So I got to see actors that I wouldn't normally get to see. And those yes. were yeah. really fun, fun memories. And that's how I connected to a lot of the cast because I was primarily, yes. you know, my scenes were mainly with Sam. Yep. Yep. And a little with Anna, a little with Carrie. I had some great moments with Carrie. Um, yes. <laughs> and Ru- Routina and I actually got quite close. But a lot of my stuff was mainly in Merlots and then the back lot of the WB. And yes. no one was there yes. except for Crew and Sam. And, yes. And, you know, the audience doesn't know that. So Yeah.
1: Well, we've talked a lot about too the the table reads being this like yeah. watering hole. Well, that's <laughs> where know? we all
0: would yeah. chat forever yeah. and learn about each other and figure out if we were going to yeah. hang out later or just say yeah. hi. The table reads were actually my <laughs> they were some of my favorite memories because yeah. that's where i got to really connect with everyone else we were we were all commenting on different things and we were all <laughs> wondering what was happening next and you know this is an interesting show because you now maybe it was just for me because i was limited on the episodes but i didn't always know where my storyline was going so i'm so curious to hear about that Mm -hmm. from you because yours is such a big
1: twist yes huge twist I would have sworn to God that you knew the entire time because there are moments that just like reek
0: of subtext you know and you're like oh she's playing something so I was i I was begging begging Ellen to tell me (laughs) what was I knew there was a big moment but I didn't know what it was
1: Oh my gosh, you, know you were related
0: in some way, connected with Marianne. I did not. I did not <gasps> no. until no, I never knew that. Oh my gosh. Around episode three or four, I was dying. I was dying. I was asking all the writers, and Alex would come. Alex Wu or one of our um yeah. writers would kind of come in and chat with me sometimes. And <laughs> I finally found out my agent got in, my agent actually got word that I was the pig. And it's so funny when you, it was such a big moment in my life. When I, I remember where I was on set when I got the text, you're the pig. Oh my God, you're the pig. <laughs> and who would ever be like, can you can you imagine getting that yeah. moment? You're like, wait, what does that mean? And who would, and if you don't watch the show, it sounds like, oh, you're a pig. No, and it's very cool. It's, it's very it cool. was extremely cool. And then I was dying to know how that, intertwined with everything because in my mind I was a deer because I was playing the shapeshifter that and then I learned shapeshifters can shape into multiple entities but so far I'd only really been put on film or tape however we call it now in our day as a deer and so uh, I was like oh my god I'm the pig and that we like brought all of these new uh, yeah. things to my mind, and I went I immediately went home when I finished filming and went back and watched all of that, and I was like, "What do I do with this information?" And oh. I was like, "How do I? In, how do I bring this into my character?" And maybe you guys got like outlines in some of the other shows I've done. I've gotten really great outlines, and I know you know mm. the arc. Okay, and especially a movie as an actor with a movie, you know the arc. Mm-hmm, but with this particular do. show. My character was slightly Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. Yes, slightly. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't realize that for a, a few episodes. And what was the beauty of that? And I understand and I appreciate that now. I yeah. was allowed to have these moments with Sam and fall right. in love with him. Right. For all the right reasons. Right. And it gave us a real human moment that was really yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Well,
1: and there's something about Daphne... And particularly in that portrayal of it, that made me think she can be both.
2: Mm -hmm. There's nothing that
1: says she, yeah, she can't fall in love with Sam and be doing Marianne's bidding.
0: Right. I think I was playing both sides. I think Daphne actually fell in love with Sam. And I -hmm. think she actually was, the word worship is a little bit strong, but I Mm -hmm. think she was answering to Marianne. Right. Mm -hmm and how mm-hmm. fun to play all that stuff with with Michelle Forbes. But at the time it was beautiful because I was allowed to just be the we were two shapeshifters that were falling in love and had a commonality yes. and Sam hadn't found that yet in the show and his storyline yeah. and he found that with Daphne and Daphne definitely found that with him. And I think that in time I played it that, you know, I think she was trying to turn him in the end. I think she didn't want to leave Sam. I think she wanted him to come yeah. with her, but I don't think she knew her yeah. final fate. Yeah. No, it
1: doesn't feel that mm-hmm, way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have that wonderful line, saying about like being a part of something divine is worth dying for. Right. And yes. Saved him. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, but that's what happens to her. And I, <laughs> yes. don't, I, I, oh.
0: I think even then, I don't know that I knew as an actor that this character was dying.
2: So, wow. I think I just
0: really I didn't know for a long time. And I think wow. that I don't know. I'd have to ask. we'd have to ask Alan and the writers. I don't know if that when they decided that, mm-hmm. but it became a plot point that was very important in this in the scope of everything. Yeah. So when I was able to say that, I think in my mind, I was hoping he would come to my yeah. my side of it all. You
2: mm-hmm. know? Yeah.
1: sure. oh, so interesting.
0: It says one of the
2: lines was, "I used to be scared and stupid, just like you." She could have killed me; I deserved it. But she saw something in me; she saved she me, saw gave me a whole new me. life. Oh, no fear, I no limits, this. just love.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness, I remember this.
2: And we've we you know Deb always finds wonderful themes, and our producer Gabby too. And we've been talking about searching for family, and you know, lost characters, and. Finding, looking for belonging, looking for yeah. belonging. I mean, right? I have to
0: say, it's a great metaphor for life too. It you is. Know? Isn't it? <laughs> the it more you your live heart. your life, it breaks your heart in a little, in a little bit, uh, or in yeah. a lot of, a lot of bits. <laughs> you know, in the longer I live, the more I've gone through in life, and I go back and think about these things, especially because I've been listening to a, a few of your podcasts, and it's incredibly relatable. It's yeah. you're right. It yeah. is. It is. Well, let's jump back a little bit.
1: I, okay. would, I mean, one, I'd love to hear your audition story. So how, how did you get the part? How much were you aware of the show? Did that you know, affect it? Well, yeah, what was your sort of story? How did you come into the, the True Blood fold?
0: You know, by the time I auditioned for the role, True Blood aired. And by the time it was done airing, it was a big deal. So people were watching, and it was just growing in numbers, and people started talking about it, and it was a hub. I started watching it, and I really thought, oh, I'd love to be a part of the show. I was a series regular on a soap opera, Bold and Beautiful, and I had a major storyline. I was on the air every day, and it didn't seem feasible for me to be on the show. Right. But I told my agents and my agents were watching it. And my agent, Stephen Chang, just loved the show. And so Stephen said, let me call them and see what we can do. And maybe we can carve out, out you know, had some outs and whatever. Yeah. But I was honest, I was a serious regular in the show. And that's a yeah. big deal, as we all know as an actor. <laughs> that's a contract. You don't break. It's with CBS and Viacom. and um, well, Particularly um, soap operas, which
1: is a which A is daily
0: a, activity. A, a, a- constant work yeah yeah and back then this has been a while we didn't get a ton of time off like we like they do Mm -hmm. now the way they film it so anyway I listened to my agents and they said let's just audition and see where this goes so remember I I go in I recognized Alan Ball and I sat down and I did my read and and you leave right Mm -hmm. and they're like Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming in and you're like, oh, okay, is there anything else I can do for you? Sometimes I say that, sometimes I don't. I don't even know if I said it then. I think I was like, okay, great. So I go back. I literally leave. So my audition was at The Lot, which yep. is not in, in Hollywood. and But it was a little bit East Hollywood. And then I had to go back and film a scene on Bold and the Beautiful, which yep. is more West Hollywood. So for mm-hmm. listeners, it actually is not that far in proximity. But with traffic, <laughs> it can be actually quite far. So there's yes. a lot of anxiety. Yes. I went on a break. Mm-hmm. All, oh, I mean, oh my all god these people, well the good news is all these people were rooting for me because they all watched true blood oh, so oh, I had I, I had cat, oh, stage managers and people in the booth and all these people and actors all like on a on a group text like I'm coming oh, I'm coming please stall like I'm coming back so I get back what and an then incredible support system oh there that. that's just like true blood is a family yeah as a family, yeah. as a family. Oh. so I'm oh. going through I'm finishing my scenes I have a ton of scenes left that day and I get a a call from my agent. They want you to come back. You're in the mix. Oh my god! As actors, we know what that means. We're in the yes. mix. For yeah. listeners, it's yeah. like, yes. oh, that's so exciting. It means yeah. they liked mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But yeah. I hear I'm going to go back and read with Sam. And so I went back, and I remember it was a big moment because I was in between scenes for Bold and Beautiful, and they didn't know I was auditioning for this. So I run to the lot and I run on. And, you know, it's like all that anxiety. There's people yeah. in front of yes. you as you're trying to get on. and trying right. to parking. Like, and-, and just please let me in. I need to do my audition. <laughs> and you get there and you have to wait because that's yep. our business. Yep. You hurry up yep. and wait. Yeah. And I see the other people auditioning for the role, reading with Sam. Can't remember who they are, but I felt very like, oh, in your head as an actor, if you're not super, super confident and super in your own world – all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, they'd be great for the role. Oh yeah. Wow. Mm. Oh yeah. I had to go outside. Mm-hmm. And I called my agent Stephen Jang and I said, I I need a little, I need a little assistance here. And he's brilliant. And so mm. oh. um, he said, Do you want to just mm. run lines again and remember? Mm-hmm. Oh. And we ran lines. And there's a line, and I don't remember what episode it was, but the line is, I know what you are. Yes. You whispered in his ear in the yeah. kitchen. And it's yeah. such a great ear. moment.
1: It's very, very sexy and scary and all the things. Yep. And it really
0: <laughs> foreshadows a lot of Daphne. It's, yes. it's a really important moment. And I kept saying in the audit well, when I was running lines, I kept saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. Mm. He said, you need to take a deep breath. I want you to get mm. your bearings of where you are. And I want you to come mm. into the moment as Daphne. The line is, I know what you are. And I'll uh, never forget that because it really reminded me of how important words are that writers put on the page. Yeah. And especially yeah. in our show, and especially when you're reading something from Alan Ball and people that he's hired to write his vision, they're yeah. very specific with things. Yes. And it really grounded me for a moment when my agent said that. And and he said, I want you to try to see if you can whisper that in Sam's ear. Oh. Uh, because this is a party scene. Yeah. I want you to go in. I want you to really, really put yourself in this moment. And it really grounded me. I had no more anxiety. I had no more whatever. I go back in the room. They call me in. And the first thing I said, was, they said, you know, hi, do you have any questions? You know how they say. And Sam's in there. (laughs) And I said, my only question is how close can I get to Sam? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Sam said, you can get as close as you want. I said, Okay. And I said, Can you pull your chair up a little closer? And he <laughs> and he did, you know, we have to make sure that the camera's not blocking me and can right, also yes. see him and our reaction. And I didn't worry about the cameras for this particular one. I was like, come closer, come closer. So then we did the scene and I leaned over. I was not re- I was not disrespectful, but I leaned yes. over and whispered in his ear, I know what you are. And I pulled back, and the reaction of Sam was so fun. Oh. And I remember reacting to that because it was like, oh, wait, you know what I am. Uh-huh. And it was like, we shared this incredible moment in audition. It was like, he said, "Yeah, you know what I am. What? And then I said, I know what you, and we of repeat. I think we libbed a tiny bit in the audition because it yeah. was a really fun moment of like, yeah. we were both shapeshifters.
2: Yeah. And that was
0: kind of the crux of how we connected.
2: And on screen, that moment is quite something between you two. Yeah.
0: And then, you know, the way they, they translated it to screen, I have to give it to Alan and the directors and the editors. It's a, it's a fun moment. Mm-hmm. And it really, what it does, it's so brilliant. And now that I'm behind the camera a little bit, it's so brilliant because you tell so much in 30 seconds.
1: And it's such an interesting story to to have had that experience in the audition and then have to know, oh, wait, that's not... For five episodes, you know? So now we're gonna go back and play actual strangers where I'm just gonna ask for a job and and I'm just gonna be the, you know, the quote unquote ditzy waitress.
0: Con- That's exactly what it is. And you do that a lot in in what yeah. we do for a living. And you have to go back and forget all of that and go back and yep. yeah. Um, my family loved, I'm from the South. And, yes. yes.
2: I wanted to ask cuz your this is the craziest thing, very to me. authentic south. Very yeah. <laughs> authentic south. And your dad, I mean, I just it totally interrupted you cuz I'm so excited, but like <laughs> you are from Tennessee, but your dad is a preacher in Texas.
0: Yeah, he started out in Tennessee and I mean, if you get me talking, I'll sound just like I I did on the show. <laughs> That's how my family talks. I just spent some time in Texas and then I went to South Carolina and I mean, it's real. It's a real it's deep real. connection to the south. Yeah, And when we go on these little road trips to see different family members, our favorite place is to stop at Crackle Barrel. And that line (laughs) is so funny. My first line is, well, have you, you know, I don't remember the exact thing, but Sam said something like, well, have you ever waited tables before? I'm like, well, yeah, I've served at Crackle Barrel. And if anyone's ever been to Crackle Barrel, you don't really serve at Crackle Barrel. Right. 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 (laughs) so it's uh, It was a really fun thing for me, but it was very real. A lot of it was based in Louisiana, but my character was actually from Texas uh, or so, we mm-hmm. thought, because of Crackle Barrel, mm-hmm. and then she came over. So it was a real East Texas, deep South. It's just Southern mm-hmm. Texas. It's just a little, mm-hmm. you know, and see, I'm sure I'm saying, well, sounding country. like it.
2: It's all country. It's all, country. all yeah. country. It's a little country. And what, how, what was your
0: family's reaction to the show? We have never discussed it. I don't know that they have fully watched it. Yep. I'm sure people have. I think my dad has seen snippets. You know, there are a couple of scenes that I just don't know my parents ever really need to see. The pool table Egg. scene sure. is, sure. yeah, yep. You know, sex scenes are sp- 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 specific. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. Uh, yeah. you know yeah. we don't always want our our family seeing all of that. We and don't. my stuff with Sam was so safe. That's Mm -hmm. the only word I can say that it didn't Mm -hmm. seem like it was even, I was exposing myself or anything. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the tricky thing about true blood that kind of,
1: you know, you think, ooh, we're getting into this sexy show and everyone's going to be naked. But then, I mean, the scenes that you had, the scene that you had on the pool table mm-hmm. with Sam afterwards is beautiful. It's really beautiful. The only thing salacious about it is that you guys are naked, but we don't see anything. Like, it's this really yeah, the shadows.
0: Michael Lehman directed that episode. It's gorgeous. And Michael did a beautiful job doing it. And yeah. there were a lot of shadows. There was a the sexiness of the pool table. Mm-hmm. We, you know, yeah. and, and we made sure the light was hung in the right place. I mean, there was a lot of thought. It, was, it, it spread over two episodes, mm-hmm. kind of. And that's a director's job. It's a DP's job. It's our mm-hmm. job. It's all these people. And then everyone on set was so, you know, our wardrobe team was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. Mm-hmm. I think at that time it was Audrey and Montana and I was covered the minute they said cut. Yeah. So you yeah. don't feel like you're doing anything salacious. You don't. Well, and frankly, the scene, the conversation
1: you're having, the content of that converse- mm-hmm. conversation is more vulnerable that is the nudity, you know, yeah. like really what I'm seeing and focused on is your souls mm-hmm. and and this connection that you're forming. And, and it was, I don't and it was really, it
0: uh, you know, that. and I remember, I don't know if you remember how they all did. I'm sure you guys do, but Michael had a, <laughs> a lot of them had a way of doing things and Michael had a specific way, Michael Lehman directing. And he wanted mm-hmm. us to like get in the moment and then he would say, let's just run the scene real fast and see how it sounds. All right. And we'd run the scene I went up to him afterward and I said, are there any notes? And I ran the scene like I was running lines. I really didn't. Mm. I looked at Sam and I reacted and responded, but it wasn't like I was trying to act. Mm -hmm. And Michael said, don't do anything different. Oh. And I was like, well, I mean, no, I was literally just running the lines. I wasn't doing anything. He's like, I don't want you to do anything. And coming from a soap sometimes, I feel like I need to do something. And then when we really got in the moment, all it was, it was just a small conversation, opening up and being vulnerable, opening your heart. And Sam saw her and yeah. she saw Sam and it was beautiful. And it would really connected with the storyline in the audience. And I'll never forget it. It was a really fun time to, yeah. Sam, I think, is so present. Sam is very, very special that way. I just had such a connection with him as an actor. Mm -hmm. You really like, and the way you said it, he's so present. He's Mm -hmm. so present that you Mm -hmm. forget where you are, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You forget everything around you when you're working with him. When you look in his eyes, you are just in that moment. I did have a giggle in that moment that
2: seemed so specific and it really helped the lighting be beautiful but you know when he turns the light off on the pool table above yeah. it just seems so s- funny you know let's yeah. turn out the light and it's the light above <laughs> the pool
0: table it's a funny moment and, and, and it's romantic and yes. ridiculous and yeah totally um, and that was definitely i think we didn't want to do that i think we we tried to Get rid of that, but it was a cinematic <laughs> moment that they wanted, and I think they right, were going to yeah. do an effect, and um, yeah, and that's yeah. that's the part of what we do that we have to, you know, suspension of disbelief. I did want to ask
2: about your death scene and like oh, yes. how you how you found out you were dying, and then you know, in the moment when you die, mm. is there a little smile?
0: There's a smile because. Oh my goodness. I forgot who directed me, but whoever directed me said, you feel like you're doing your life's work. Right. It was my loyalty to Marianne. Yes. My loyalty to, you know, Michelle Michelle Forbes' character. Mm -hmm. And McCod Brooks that I adore and love and still keep in touch with a little bit. You know, he came in and did that it was that we had to really rehearse that and you know all these things on true blood you don't want to get hurt so you have these stunt people coming in showing you how to do it and I was like I can't Mm -hmm. it was a very sad moment for me because I kept thinking like wait is this the end and they brought me back a couple of Mm -hmm. times but I was dead in a freezer right right Right. um but (laughs) they chose to me for me not to be scared yeah because I just think that this character was really under the claws of Marianne, mm-hmm. and she felt like she was fulfilling her mission. Mm-hmm. And then you see them eat Daphne's heart right. over Sloppy Joe's, <laughs> and I think the audience went crazy over that, not because they wanted that da- it was just like, it was a little sensational and a little yeah, like, right, oh my goodness, right. and that was yeah. kind of the concept of the show. It was, yeah. there were always moments, it were small moments, they weren't, over- I mean, some moments were up the top, but it was a shocking they liked to keep the audience, mm-hmm. like, oh, that moment mm-hmm. of awe. Yeah. And they did a great job with that. I don't think anyone expected mm-hmm. Daphne to die quite like that.
2: Mm-hmm. No. So that
0: was a big moment for the second season. And then it they was. went into, you know, different, it kept getting more and more shock and awe. And it was really brilliant on the writer's part. Of mm-hmm. course, I was devastated and wanted to stay with you guys yeah. forever. And, uh, um, but that's the beauty of what happens with these stories. They're stories.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, thank you. And I have one other question for you. We've been asking everyone, and that is: when you think of your experience on the show, shooting the show, what are three words
0: that come to mind? Brilliant. Ah, uh, because I was working with brilliant people. Yeah. A learning, learning. Yep. And lifetime. Ah, uh, those are my three words. It's so interesting. And that goes with everything you told us. Oh, I should have said, although I love what I said. I should have said the word unforgettable, but a brilliant will work. (laughs) Yeah. Can we change it? We'll 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 give you four. We'll We'll give give you four. Unforgettable. (laughs) Because that's what it was. Yeah. It was an unforgettable landmark in my life. And and I love that I get to come back here and chat with you guys about it. You are both so special.
2: Thank you. It's so good to see you and to hear your experience. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate
0: you guys. Love you and sending you big hugs.
1: So I think the Workaholic Award is going to Ashley Jones for season two of <laughs> True Blood and season up teen for Both of the
0: Beautiful. Right? Because
1: I mean, that's the craziest thing. That she... It's staggering. Could do also, not just get through it, but do such a um, a deep, deeply moving job, <laughs> you know, in both I circumstances.
2: Know. And go after the role yeah, and embrace yeah. that. And and, and, and and I mean, that was really a chess it game. It was. Yeah. And how fun, once again, to like, you know, I didn't get to work with yeah. her. I didn't get to know her terribly yeah. well. How fascinating. And wonderful to connect with, you know, our extended yeah. family. And
1: and to know that, you know, it really is just good people, all just good, good people. people. So, yes, thank you to her for taking the
2: time. And it's just been such a pleasure mm-hmm. watching her work. I know. Likewise. 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 Thank you, Ashley.
1: Next week on Truest Blood, our characters are separated and locked up. We'll look at how the filming gave us all claustrophobia and how sometimes being trapped can open one's mind
2: to some hard truth. And we have the remarkable Mariana Clavino with us. You know her as Lorena, the alluring and slightly unhinged maker of Bill Compton. But you may also have caught her on Devious Maids, Stalker, and she's on the upcoming Superman and Lois series. I cannot wait to hear all about those intoxicating flashbacks. Yes.
1: So thanks for listening, Trubies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next week.
2: Y'all come back now, you yeah, here. Yeah. Got any burning questions you want answered on truest blood? Post them
1: on any and all social media platforms using hashtag FangClubQuestions, and we may feature them on the show. That's hashtag F A N G C L U B Q U E S T I O N S. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Kavankar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Gallon, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the
2: original episodes of True Blood on HBO Max.